Thank you, Kate. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. And by the way, I'm reading from Romans 8, 18 to 39. Jesus knew what suffering was. He experienced evil at the hands of evil men. And he died for us while we were still evil. Amazing. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those who justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? It is as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks for that, Daryl, and good morning, everyone. My name is Mark. If we haven't met, I'm one of the, the pastors here at Trinity Church Modbury. Stephen, our senior pastor, is 
preaching this morning in another church in our network. Uh, a few years ago, Alicia, my wife and I were expecting our first child. Um, Alicia was a few days off having her 12-week scan, so we were obviously very excited about that. But um, then one day, um, after some unusual symptoms and a, a drive to the hospital and a long, anxious wait in the waiting room and an ultrasound, we, we got the news from the doctor that, that we were dreading, that we'd, that we'd lost our baby. And I remember sitting on a bench outside the hospital, just, just devastated in that moment, just, just not knowing what to say to one another, not knowing what to do, just watching people walking past, walking their dogs, hanging out with their kids and, and doing whatnot, and just getting on with normal life, and, and just thinking, how, how are people just getting on with normal life when, when our life has been turned upside down? And now, many of us here this morning will have gone through much worse suffering than, than what I've described just there, and, and this is a, a difficult topic on a, on a lot of levels to, to talk about, because I feel like I'm flying blind a little bit. I don't know what what everyone's life story is. I don't know what everyone here has been through and what you're going through and or, or what you're going to go through. But but the, my point is, in that moment, I I didn't want a neat explanation for for why things had happened that way. All I wanted was for our baby to be alive. I just wanted the the doctor to to come racing out of the hospital and just say, "We've got the scans mixed up. Your doctor, your baby, is okay." Uh, we've been asking the last few weeks, as Kate said earlier, what would make God worth believing in? Uh, and not surprisingly, a lot of people's answer to that question was words to the effect of God would be worth believing in if he dealt with suffering and evil in the world. And it's really understandable. Suffering and evil are awful. They, they cause us to question why and how a loving God could allow such things to happen. And if you've experienced suffering and evil in your life, what you'll know is that the silver bullet answer does not exist. Uh, and nothing I say this morning is meant in, in any way to, to trivialise the, the pain and the, the anguish that suffering brings. But I want us to see that, that suffering and evil, as horrible as they are, they don't disprove the existence of the loving, sovereign God who we read about in the Bible. And in fact, more than that, it's only by believing in this God that we can have sure hope, even in the face of suffering and evil. Uh, There's a few points to make. The first first point is that God speaks into the problem of suffering and evil. He's not silent about it. When you you pick up a Bible and read it, it's not not like one of those stretched real estate photos that, that denies the reality of the situation. If you were to pick up a Bible, start on page one and, and start reading through it, you'd, you'd soon find yourself reading about murder, deadly natural disasters, infertility, workplace inequality, marriage problems, rape, slavery, false imprisonments, famine. And that's just in Genesis, the, the first of 66 books in the Bible. And if you kept reading, you'd get to Job, which is a book about the, the intense suffering of one particular person, you'd, you'd find countless other examples of suffering and evil, some of which we'll touch on this morning. Um, you'd also find books like Psalms and Lamentations, where, where God doesn't just tell us about suffering and evil. He, he actually gives us the language to express our pain, our anger, our doubts, our fears. 
and to call on God to do something about our suffering. Uh, Listen to these words from Psalm 88. I am overwhelmed with troubles. My life draws near to death. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm like one without strength. I'm set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. These are real words from a real person who's going through real suffering. So whatever questions suffering and and evil raise for us about God, the, the Bible is very real about how painful life can be. Uh, But God doesn't just acknowledge suffering. He shows us the cause of suffering. And it's confronting because he tells us that we, we are the cause. God created people to, to live in relationship with him, but instead people chose to reject God and to, to live for ourselves, which is what the Bible calls sin. So ignoring and rejecting God. Sin has wrecked our relationship with God. It's, it's wrecked how we relate to other people as well when we, when we put ourselves first. And it's even wrecked our relationship with the world around us because God put a curse on creation when people rejected him. And we saw that in our Romans Bible reading. We read that creation has been subject to frustration. And so when we, when we look around us at a, a world of suffering and evil, a world of terrorism, sickness, natural disasters, a world where our relationship with one another and with the world around us is clearly badly broken. At the root of it is the biggest problem of all, which is a broken relationship with the God who created us to know him and to love him. And that's the biggest problem because by rejecting God, we deserve God to to reject us as well. Jesus, when, when he was on earth, in, in, in his own day, he was confronted with the brokenness of the world. Uh, so at one particular time, there were, there were two tragedies that had, that had recently taken place, two, two big stories on, on the front page news. Uh, so firstly, there was a, a group of innocent people who had been slaughtered by, by Roman soldiers. And then another group of people who had died in a building collapse. Jesus was, was asked about both of these, and, and this is what he said. He, he said, do you think that these people who, who were killed were, were worse sinners than everyone else because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Now, he makes an important point here that we, we shouldn't see suffering as a punishment for something specific we've, we've done wrong. We, we suffer collectively as humans, because we, we collectively share the problem of sin. Um, but the big point Jesus makes is this. We need to recognize the problem that lies at the heart of pain and suffering. The, the writer C.S. Lewis once described pain as God's megaphone to wake up a deaf world. That is, suffering and evil, they, they shake us out of our complacency, that they force us to, to see and to focus on the, the brokenness of the world. I started preparing for this talk a few weeks ago, and, and at that time, the, the breaking news story was that tragic attack on a daycare centre 
in Thailand where, where dozens of children were killed. It was, it was just senseless, brutal violence. Um, there was a, a photo that the, the news stories were running that, that I just haven't been able to shake out of my mind of this, this room filled with these tiny, tiny white coffins. Now, you couldn't see that photo or hear that news story without being devastated at the brokenness of the world that we live in. Unless you repent, Jesus says, you too will all perish. That is, you'll face God's judgment. Um, What does it mean to repent? Well, that brings us to our next point, which is that God has a solution to this problem of suffering. Now, I'm sure God could and would eliminate all pain in an instant if he thought that that was the most loving thing to do. But if he did that, it it might seem merciful on one level, but it, it would then be like all of us having a deadly disease with no symptoms whatsoever. We, we wouldn't know that there was a problem until it was too late, until we stood before God to give account for our lives. Uh, but God has done something that in the long term is even better. He's gone straight to the root and he's dealt with the problem of sin. And he's done that by sending his own son, Jesus, to the cross to, to bear the punishment that we all deserve for our sin. So that if we repent, that is, if we, if we trust that Jesus died to save us, we, we commit to living for him in response, and we, we turn away from anything that dishonors him. If we repent, then when, when God looks at us, he doesn't see our guilt and our shame. He doesn't see the things that we see. He sees us just like Jesus, without sin. What's incredible about the cross is that God has shown us his perfect love without compromising his perfect justice. Sin is dealt with, but we escape. See, it would be unjust for for God to not punish all wrongdoing. And and I think instinctively we, we all know that. Don't we? Um, we hate it when we see evil happen, but we don't see justice done. You know, what, what sort of a God would God be if, if he just decided to forget about the Holocaust, for example, or, or any other number of injustices? The problem is that, that once we, we have this desire to, to see justice being done, where do you draw the line with that? Where is that moral line that tells me that Hitler did this unacceptable amount of evil that deserves to be punished. But I've done an acceptable amount of evil that that God should just forget about. The truth is that that line doesn't exist. We're all in the same boat. We're all sinners, which which is why Jesus' death is such good news for us. God has dealt with the problem of sin that lies at the heart of all evil and suffering. And because of that, he offers us hope of a life without suffering. Even though the penalty of sin has been dealt with at the cross, and even though Jesus has been raised back to life, we we still live in a broken world. As we read read in Romans just before, creation is still groaning. We're still groaning 
under the weight of a fallen world that we live in. That we have hope of what's to come. We have hope of redemption. Because God has promised us how the story ends. Jesus is going to return. Evil is going to be judged. God's people are going to be saved. And we're going to see God face to face. And on that day, we read in Revelation 21, right near the end of the Bible, he will wipe every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. Uh, as Paul, the, the writer of Romans, looks forward to that day, these, these were the words that he spoke in that, in that reading that we had just before. And for me, this, this is the most powerful verse in the Bible about what heaven is going to be like. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Think for a moment about what an extraordinary promise this is. Our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory to come. On that day when when Jesus returns to make things right, all the, the pain and the anguish of suffering and evil is going to be forgotten. Now, when I think of all the, the sadness and pain in our world, and, and, and then I imagine it being forgotten in a moment, well, that's, that's amazing. I can't even fathom that. And so, in a strange way, the worse that our sufferings are in this lifetime, the, the more insight we actually have into how awesome heaven is going to be. To think that the worst of our pain and suffering will be forgotten in an instant when Jesus reveals himself to us. It does raise the question, though, doesn't it? Why doesn't God end it now? If, if God's landed the knockout blow to suffering and evil and pain, why is he waiting thousands of years for Jesus to return and end all of the pain? Well, part of the answer to that question is that he's giving people time to turn back to him. We read in the book of 2 Peter that that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, but instead he's patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but wanting everyone to come to repentance. Every day that Jesus delays his return is is a day where, where more pain and suffering is going to happen. But it's also a chance for more people to be saved before it's too late. And in the meantime, our pain is never wasted. God is at work in our suffering. He he uses even the worst of suffering and evil to bring about his good purposes. We've already seen earlier Jesus' words in Luke's gospel that that he uses suffering to warn us, to, to shake us out of our complacency. He also uses it to grow us. We read earlier in the book of Romans that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. And I have to say, when I think about the people in my life whose character really stands out, more often than not, it's people who have gone through really bad suffering in their lives. They've been shaped by it. As we read just earlier, the well-known Verses in Romans chapter 8, we, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, 
who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So in other words, God is working through all things, good things, bad things, to make us more like Jesus. So God grows us through suffering. He he also uses it to make us depend on his strength rather than our own. That's why Paul writes in another letter, I delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. In other words, when I recognize my weakness, when I'm brought face to face with my weakness, that's when I know my need to lean on God's strength, most of all. Uh, I personally grew up believing in God, but not really, not really taking him seriously in my life, not really, not really doing much about it in my teenage years. It was only in my, my very late teens I went through a particularly bad period of fatigue, and, and, and that was a time when I came face to face with my own weakness. I really had no, no other option but to recognize my own weakness. And, and that was the time for me where I finally put my trust in God's strength. That's, that's what it took for me to recognize my weakness and to, to trust in God. Now, I wouldn't wish those bad years of health on anyone. It was a, an awful thing to go through. But at the same time, I wouldn't trade them for anything because God used them to save me. He, he used them to take my eyes off my own strength and to, and to, to demand God's strength instead. Sometimes God uses our suffering to achieve things that go well beyond our own life, our own lives. We read in the book of Genesis in the Bible, in the Old Testament, right at the start of the Bible, we read about a man called Joseph whose brothers sell him into captivity. They leave him for dead. They sell him off as a slave. He goes through years of suffering. And it's only decades later down the track that, that we see what the big picture of all of this is. God was using all of this evil, all of this suffering to put Joseph where he was going to use him to save many lives during a famine. And so Joseph, when he comes finally face to face with his brothers, he's able to say to them, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Sometimes, like Joseph, we'll be able to look back and we'll be able to see exactly why God put us through a time of suffering that he did. Um, Other times, we won't get that answer, this side of heaven. As we read through the book of Job, the book comes to an end without God ever explaining to Job why he had to suffer in the way he did. In the end, we, we have to trust that God's plans and God's promises are good. That God sees the world from a perspective that we just can't see. And that, that what seems cruel to us is actually done with great love and knowledge beyond our understanding. Trusting that God is our wise and loving Father. That we're told in another part of the Bible, in the book of Hebrews, that, um, that as we go through hardships, God is treating us as his children. Personally, I, I found this a really helpful verse for thinking about suffering because there are times when a parent does something that hurts their child knowing in their adult wisdom that there's a greater good 
that's going to come from it down the track. Um, so I remember the first time I took Rory, our, our little boy, to, to get his vaccinations for the first time, or for the first time that I was taking him. Now, I could have chosen not to get him vaccinated. I could, I could have spared him the pain of, of doing that. And I, I felt awful as a dad sitting in that waiting room, waiting for Rory to get called in. Rory's just sitting there, just waving at all the girls on the admin desk, waving at all the doctors and nurses that go past, just absolutely no idea what's about to happen. And then hearing him scream in pain as, the, as he sees the needles coming his way and realizes what's going on and four scary nurses all stick needles into him at the same time, screaming, screaming in pain. And, and then the worst part of it is um, I, I was holding him in my, in my lap at the time and just the horrified look that he, that he gives me, Dad, how, why have you done this to me? How could you possibly do this to me? It was awful. And yet I knew that I was doing what was best for him. In, in my, my adult fatherly wisdom, I, I was doing what, what I knew was best for him. And in the same way, God, God loves us. God, God loves us way more than I love Rory. And that's, and that's saying something. God doesn't enjoy watching us suffer. He's, he's just not that sort of a God. And yet there are loving purposes behind it, even when that seems impossible to believe. Uh, so we've seen that, that God is very real about the problem of suffering. He doesn't deny it. He's gone to extreme lengths to do something about it, and, and no suffering falls outside of his perfect loving plans and purposes. Um, that's all really good and helpful knowledge and understanding to have. But, but in those moments where, where we're going through a tough time, the, what, what we need most of all is to look to Jesus. You know, we can have all the information and all the facts that we want, but in those moments of pain, it's, it's looking to Jesus that's going to be helpful. To, to remember that, that Jesus came and confronted evil and suffering. We, we read about Jesus. We read that he healed the sick. He cast out demons. He, he raised the dead. Jesus didn't just come and write a thesis about suffering or anything like that. He came and he confronted evil and suffering. On the cross, Jesus endured evil and suffering of the worst kinds. Daryl said it as he introduced his Bible reading that Jesus knows what it is to suffer and to face evil. When we're in pain, we can know that Jesus gets it because he was there himself. And in those moments where, when we wonder how a loving God could possibly let us go through what we're going through, we remember Jesus on that cross for us. And we know that whatever reason God has for the pain that we're going through, it can't be that he doesn't love us. Jesus confronted evil and suffering. He endured evil and suffering. And he defeated evil and suffering. He died, he was raised, and he's coming again one day to make things right. And so we have a sure and everlasting hope, even in the darkest moments. And we heard in our reading this morning, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? 
Well, the wonderful answer to that question is no. None of those things can. It doesn't make suffering or evil any less painful in the here and now. But it gives us an awesome hope to cling to. Awesome truths that we can, we can know and that we can hold on to even when we don't feel them in the moment. And I think as I, as I look back, as, as Alicia and I grieved our loss those years ago, that this was what was helpful for us. We, we knew truths about God even, even when we didn't feel them at the moment. We knew that God loved us, that God had purposes for what he was doing. Now, I realize this, this is a massive topic. This is a very personal topic. There's, there's absolutely no way I will have answered everyone's questions on this topic in the last 20 minutes or so. And, and if, you, if you have questions or, or you have things that you're really struggling with in this area, I'd love to chat to you. I'd love to chat afterwards. I'd love to, to catch up this week or whatever. I'd, I'd really don't want anyone leaving here feeling like your questions haven't been answered and, and there's, there's no more there's nothing more to chat about and there's, there's, there's no more follow-up for it. I really want to be helpful in that. Uh, we've also got an event coming up tomorrow night, actually. It kicks off called Life. Uh, this, is, this is five Monday nights looking at who Jesus is, whether, whether he's worth believing in, whether, whether he's worth following. Uh, so if you're here this morning and those are, those are questions that are ticking along in your mind, perhaps suffering has been a barrier for you in, in thinking through whether you'd want to follow God or not. Maybe, maybe you think, how, how could I believe in a God with so much evil and suffering in the world? Um, if you're interested in Christianity, but, you, but you're not sure whether it's for you or not, this is a chance to, to come along, to, to find out what it's all about, to ask whatever questions you want and decide for yourself whether life with Jesus is for you. Again, come, come and have a chat with me if you've got any questions about that. Love to, love to chat about that. But um, for now, we've, we've looked at a very heavy topic, a very personal topic, and it's, it's right for us to, to close in prayer and, and commit this to our loving, gracious God. So let's, let's pray. Father, we, we praise you, our, our kind and loving Heavenly Father who knows what we need. Your plans and your, your purposes are far above ours. And we know that. And yet we groan under the weight of suffering and evil. We cry out to you in our pain. We long for you to take it all away. And yet we rejoice that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ and the sure hope that we have in him. And so we ask that you'd, you'd help us to trust you, to fix our eyes on the glory that will be revealed when there'll be no more tears and that you'd help us to cling to Jesus even in the worst of our pain. Amen.